It is so important that we learn to live out of the Spirit instead of out of our natural minds. The mind is limited. The Spirit is unlimited. I've been preaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the freedom of praying in tongues. And uh, very quickly, I want to touch a few passages of Scripture. God's obviously ministered here. That's awesome. Does He need me to preach? No. Do we need to be able to digest information so that we build experience on understanding of the Word? Yes. That's very, very important. So what do you do? Throw the Word out? No. What do you do? Throw out the ministry of the Spirit? No. Maybe God doesn't want to fit inside of 60 minutes. Look, I'm not against 60 minutes. And don't go around saying, oh, that church only does 60 minutes. They're not of God. Rubbish. Let's not be immature. There are a lot of good churches doing a lot of good things. And they're different, a little bit different. But you're here because you're wanting things of the Spirit. You're wanting to go deeper. In, in, oh, geez, that could sound arrogant. We get arrogant so easy. Please hear my heart. We're not any better than anybody else. But if you want to move in the Spirit, you have to live out of your Spirit. If you want to step into the supernatural of God, you must allow your Spirit in you to become bigger than your head. And some of us, our heads are too big. And that'll just mean from a pride thing. We have to analyze everything. We have to logically put everything in a compartment. And everything's got to come into order. The spirit is greater than the natural mind. But the spirit is subject to the prophet. In other words, even the Holy Ghost He'll bring an anointing for prophecy. God will not override your free will. And so the Holy Spirit of God will be subject to the instrument. How many of you understand or know or have read or have heard that scripture where Paul says the Spirit is subject to the prophet? Okay? So in the same way, your spirit, it can be It is subject to you, and you can exercise your mind and your logic and your emotions and your flesh over your spirit. Or we could start to learn to live from the spirit and allow our spirit to grow and become bigger and to have influence beyond our natural mind. In the King James translation, as you read through the early chapters of of the Gospels, there are two things that are said both about John the Baptist and about Jesus himself. And the King James says, in in regards to John the Baptist, that he grew, the, the young boy grew in stature and he grew in spirit. Your spirit can grow. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he kept telling his disciples to pray, he's about to go to the cross and face all the forces of darkness. He needed his guys, he needed his homies to stand with him and pray in the spirit. 
They had not yet received the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And their own spirit was still besotted, overrun at times by their natural mind and their natural emotions. Okay? They're just like us. I'm not speaking down about them. I, I go through some of those Peter cycles. You know, the things we laugh about Peter. Guess what? Sometimes I, I see those cycles in me. Most of us are like the rest of us. Turn to somebody. I'm going to make you a preacher this morning. Turn to somebody. Look at them and say, most of us are like the rest of us. We're not that different. We go through the same stuff. But here in the Garden of Gethsemane, two gardens. The first Adam, he didn't listen to his spirit. Your spirit will always agree with the Word of God. Listen to me. Your spirit was designed that it will only be in agreement with the, the, the Word of God. It's the soul that gives us trouble. The soul is the realm of our intellect, our emotions, and our will. And it's the soul that was fallen. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve responded out of their soul. The quest for knowledge. It didn't matter that it included the knowledge of evil. It was knowledge. Ah, you know, they thought they heard from heaven. If an angel appears to you and he tells you things that are not in the word of God, you rebuke him in Jesus' name. They thought they were having, a, you know, an experience outside of God. Anything outside of God is out of divine order. It is disorder and it'll bring you into confusion. And confusion will bring you into darkness and then death. So here's Adam and Eve, instead of responding out of their spirit, because their spirit would have said, no, the word of God says don't touch. But he appealed to their natural senses Oh, look, it'll give you information. It'll give you knowledge. You'll have greater knowledge. God didn't want you to have it because he likes having the edge. You know, he just, eh, you know, God. And he's plying their emotions so that they get PO'd at God. And they did. And they didn't listen to their spirit and respond to that of their soul. And ever since that moment, man has been a fallen being. He is broken in his soul. The whole reason why Jesus kept saying in four Gospels, he said, wait for the Holy Spirit. John baptized you with water, but I will send the Holy Ghost and he will baptize you with power. Four times in each of the Gospels, and then he says it in the book of Acts as well. He reminds them, John baptized you with water, but soon you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Spirit of God will speak to our spirit. And our spirit will speak to the Spirit of God. And that's where there is spiritual communication. And too often religion is about trying to understand God out of our logic. I'm not saying that God cannot be understood. I'm not saying that you can't have a logical thought about God. No, God anoints my mind and he has redeemed my mind. But my mind is learning how to come into submission to my spirit and my spirit in submission to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you hearing me? It's, it's very, very important. And so in the Garden of Gethsemane, the first Adam failed in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
hours before Jesus is crucified, he's already going through the crucifixion. He's dripping blood and sweat, water and blood. And he calls his disciples to pray with him. And he makes this comment, which almost the meaning of what Jesus was saying is almost lost in the old English. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here, let me explain that. What he's really saying is, the spirit wants to come into agreement with the spirit of God, but the power of your flesh, man, is too strong. Your soul keeps overriding your spirit. That's what he meant. That's what he's saying. And so we have to learn how to live out of our spirit and let our spirit lead us, that is, lead our logic and our emotions. We react out of our emotions that are tied and triggered to abusive memories and hurts. We've come to conclusions in moments of bruising and hurts and trauma in life. And in those moments, in that darkness, in that place where we were abused, hurt, rejected, offended, whether it was sexually, mentally, physically, whatever it was, just emotionally, what happens is it gets padded down emotion and conclusion. You make a conclusion during those hurtful moments and you start to rationale that white men will do this to you or women will do this to you or uh, people only want you for sex. And you start to make conclusions that are in contradiction to God's knowledge. But we make conclusions because we're building a little defense mechanism within seconds. Within seconds, our mind is teaching us how to set a boundary. They're not always correct boundaries. And it's tying the experience together with emotion. And it gets patted down into our soul. And they become blockages. And we react. When, when a trigger's pulled, when a tripwire's kicked, we react out of wounds. We react out of perceptions and logics and conclusions that we've come to from the past. And we react erratically at times and we create hurt. But seed produces fruit. And the fruit of our actions, we create more hurt. Why? Because the seed of it is hurt inside of us. Are you hearing me? Have I lost you? Are you hearing me? And so if we live out of our natural man, and most of us do, church doesn't, too often church doesn't spend time training us to be spirit people first and foremost. We accommodate your soul. If the singing's too long, we say to the song leaders, uh, cut it down. You know, they don't like repeating a song more than twice. If the preaching's too long, we say, well, you know, I need to chop it down. Uh, because the mind can only endure what the seat can endure. You know what? Paul preached for four hours. A guy fell out of the second story window and then Paul ran down and raised him from the dead. I want to have church like that. <laughs> and not just because I want to preach four hours. <laughs> we, we structure God's stuff based on what was pleasing to our soul. That's why the Apostle Paul says in the last days, people will get around teachers who will itch their ears. 
they will say the things that are appealing to your soul. I think you're here because you don't want teachers who are going to talk to your soul. You want people who are going to talk to your spirit. And so in the Garden of Gethsemane, here these guys, you know, they walked with Jesus. They did miracles with Jesus, but they were still living out of their soul. Look, the power of God comes from God, not from you. So you could cast out a devil in Jesus' name because the power and the authority comes from Jesus and still be a soulish Christian. Because you live out of your own emotions, you live out of your own intellect, rather than living out of your spirit. If you're forever having moods and throwing tantrums and getting jealous and constantly you're riled by emotion, you're living out of your soul. And I want to help you. I want to help you. I want you to, this is a new year. How many of you want to put on your best face in 2019? Your best face is not Maybelline eyes. Your best face uh, is not eyeshadow and rouge. Your best you isn't hiding behind a Nike t-shirt or a, give me some fashion guy who makes shirts. Armani, thank you. There you go. You can see where I shop. I shop at Target. Uh, Armani, thank you. Listen, your best self is not what we dress up on the outside. What we dress up on the outside, that's our worst self. Do you know how much money you spend going through an educational system here in America? Count up the hours and count up the money. I think we spend about 21 years, if we go through college and get a degree, we spend about 21 years getting an education. That's an education that's feeding the soul. I'm not saying that's wrong, but it feeds the soul. And then when it comes to building the spirit man, your best face, we want to cut church down. We don't want the preacher to say stuff that will offend us, upset us, or hurt us because we live out of the soul and my emotions are going to start to roar. We need to hear what the Word of God says and not make excuses for it. And we need men and women of God who will speak truth to us and hang up their popularity and say, you know what, whether I'm popular or not, whether people like me or not, doesn't matter. I'm called to obey the God of heaven, and I have to speak the truth in love. Amen. Hey, I didn't get a lot of amens. Now, maybe you meant to say amen. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're not. And if you're not there, it's okay. I'm going to preach it anyway. See, I didn't get many amens that time either. <laughs> we got to live out of our spirit. We live out of the soul. It'll take us to a lot of trouble. Your soul will bring you to wrong decisions and wrong actions. And we will react wrongly in life when we live out of the soul. So how do we live from the spirit? The baptism in the Holy Spirit is about God's Spirit connecting with our spirit and transitioning us from a life that's always dominated by our thoughts. That's why 
tongues was the manifestation on the day of Pentecost. These people started to speak languages known by other folk that were visiting Jerusalem, and they never learned it by their natural mind. But they spoke from the Spirit. And the thing about tongues, it is, a, it is the first step to disengaging the logical brain. My brain has always been involved with my mouth. Just goes to show you how silly my brain can be sometimes. Even when I put my foot in my mouth, that's the result of my brain. It could be quirky, you know, and say some wrong things. But your mind has always had control over your mouth. From how you shape your lips, move your tongue, how you move your jaw bones to create sound after sound, and you get validation as a child. Yeah, that's right, that's right. You get the milk you were wanting, even though you didn't say milk 100% correctly. The Spirit of God comes on us. God is looking for those who will worship Him out of spirit, out of spirit and in truth. He said to the Samaritan woman, you guys worship what you don't even know. Your head knowledge is wrong. My God, what a politically incorrect thing for Jesus to say. If this whole political correct garbage in America is correct, then Jesus was politically incorrect. He said, you Samaritans are worshiping out of head knowledge. In America, we'd freak out. We get to a point we can't even speak truth. Don't get caught up in all of this garbage. That's the world. Sometimes the truth will offend. That's why we have to preach, speak the truth in love. It's how we deliver it, but we don't run from the truth. Hello? In today's economy, in today's world, the soul doesn't want us to offend anyone, so... Truth is expendable. So we modify truth and water it down because our soul, our mental logic and intellect and our emotions, we don't want to be out of step with society. Yo, church, society's out of step. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of heaven. And that doesn't mean say whatever you want, however you want, and come in like a sledgehammer. You're not Thor. Our Father is a God of grace and mercy. And He combines truth with love and understanding. I've also seen Christians speak truth with no understanding. One of the things I love about God the most is that He gets me. He understands me. He knows how I'm wired. He knows the why I do this and the why I do that. And he deals with the whys rather than even sometimes the sin. Because if he deals with the why, the sin will go. Okay. So we got to learn how to live from our spirit. When you live out of your soul, you'll get into conflict. You'll get into arguments. You'll get into breakdowns of relationship the soul is damaged goods and living out of it the seed in the soul is seeds of brokenness and the fruit that comes out of living from the soul is the fruit of injury 
How many of you want to learn how to live by the Spirit? Amen. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit is knowledge coming from God that transcends the natural mind. Uh, last week, I, I called out a Lucy, and Patty had been live streaming to her sister-in-law, Lucy. And if you were here, I said to her when it was all done, you know, we were all amazed, the preacher included. And uh, I said to her afterwards, I want you to see, talk to Lucy. I believe when God spoke to me, he said, Lucy is looking for a word from the Lord. Well, guess what? I really don't shop in tar Target. I made a joke about that. But it's t twice now in the last three weeks, four weeks, I actually went to Target. Okay? I don't normally shop there. And I met a young girl who got saved on a Sunday morning about three weeks ago right inside the doors of Target. She freaked out. I freaked out. And it was just a confirmation. And then last Sunday... 7 o'clock, I'm still dressed up in my church clothes. I'd been working around here. I didn't go home. I go to Target. I never go to Target. Right inside the doors, there's Patty. She goes, Pastor. I said, Patty. Well, you know, I'm a slow learner. Today after church, I'm going to Target. <laughs> I said to her, did you talk to Lucy since... She said, yes. I said, was Lucy asking God for a word? She says, this is how Lucy said it. I need a sign from God. We need to learn how to live from our spirit. And so when the baptism of the Holy Ghost came, tongues came because it disengages the brain and we start to speak without the brain interfering. And when you first start talking in tongues, your brain will say, uh, 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 that's not right, doesn't, that's not right, doesn't compute, stop. How do, that's a counterfeit, maybe that's wrong. That's why Jesus said in Luke, if you ask your father, who has the potential to be evil, for bread, he won't give you a stone, and if you ask him for fish, he won't give you a serpent, how much more your heavenly father, when you ask him for the Holy Ghost, he will give you the Holy Ghost. I read to you last week from 1 Corinthians, uh, my notes, uh, Paul says, when I, pray from, when I pray in tongues, my mind is unfruitful. So God wants us to be praying idiots. Can I have that scripture? I think it was 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Look at that, my spirit. Those of you who haven't been here, when it's a capital S, it's the Holy Spirit of God. When it's a little s, it's man's spirit. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. Why would God want us to pray stuff without our brain? Because your brain doesn't know everything. Because your soul has been in control for too long. God is looking for worship, as he said to the Samaritan woman. You worship what you don't understand. The Jews worship what they do have. No, they have mental correct knowledge. But God's waiting for people who will worship him out of their spirit. 
not out of head knowledge. And we've set up churches that worship God out of head knowledge, and we try to fit God into our image of what church should look like so that it appeals to more people so that we could have more numbers because numbers is success. I'm going to tell you something. Numbers isn't success. You could have $100 million worth of debt. You got a heck of a lot of numbers. That ain't success. Numbers by themselves are not success. We want to be obedient to the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. So, um, Paul says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. Why? God wants to disengage your soul so that you're praying out of your spirit. And the way to allow your spirit to grow Here's these disciples still living out of their soul. That's why Jesus said, I'm going. Go to the upper room and don't leave Jerusalem until you get the Holy Ghost. Why? Jesus has seen what the disciples could do in the negative, living out of their soul. He says, go get the Spirit of God. And um, when we pray in tongues, it's the first step, one of the first steps to letting your spirit have freedom. without being limited or controlled by a logical mind. At times, God will download information to me that my head, sometimes I preach stuff and people say, that's really deep, and I just smile, and in my head I'm thinking, yeah, it is, I didn't even know it myself. (laughs) Because God just downloads as I'm preaching. And uh, we want to learn to live out of the Spirit. When you live out of the Spirit, God's spirit will speak to your spirit, and the bigger your spirit gets, then your spirit will be able to tell your mind things, and your mind will have learned, your soul will have learned to let your spirit lead. And so what will happen is, instead of the mind constantly silencing the spirit, the mind starts to submit to your spirit, And your spirit will eventually bring information from God's spirit to your spirit to your mind. And God will download information. Okay? So, um, why do we pray in tongues? I said last week that um, when we pray in tongues, um, sometimes we don't know what to pray for. How many of you ever had a crisis? It might be your son, your daughter, there's conflict. You don't know what's the right thing to pray. When I pray in the Holy Ghost, I'm letting my spirit pray. Well, get used to the fact that your spirit is a living being. It's the real you. When Elizabeth was pregnant with her baby, John the Baptist, he was in the womb. Mary comes in. Mary's now pregnant with the Son of God. And the Bible says that in Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth leapt within her at the presence of Mary holding or having the baby Jesus inside her. You know what that tells me? Spirit has knowledge without the natural mind. And spirit can see without the natural eyes. That's why the Bible talks about spiritual eyes. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. 
He doesn't mean you have physical eyes, but you don't see in the natural. You have physical ears, but you don't hear in the natural. He's saying they, they got the eye sockets and the eardrums, but they're not hearing and seeing in the spirit world. And when, the nat- when we live from our soul, the natural mind will always put a cap on the spirit. So your spirit is very much alive. It was alive in the baby, John the Baptist, hidden in a womb, and yet his spirit was bearing witness with the spirit of God as it came in the room through Mary and the baby Jesus in her womb. Pretty cool, isn't it? Spirit doesn't know any age. It is already alert and alive and aware. So pregnant moms, your, your, your child is fully aware. And, and, and if there's a husband in the picture, you know, and a mom, you pray over that baby and, and pray in tongues and pray the will of God and pray worship music because the spirit of that child is hearing it. And if we speak negativity and destructive things, we're also hurting the development of that spirit. Okay. So, why do, why do we pray in tongues? We pray in tongues. Look at this here. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit, see it's capital S, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit, capital S himself, intercedes for us through wordless groans. Next verse, 27. And he, God, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, capital S. God knows the mind of his Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And so when I pray in tongues, is it always a human language? No. Sometimes it's an angelic language. Maybe sometimes it's just a whole new communication from my spirit to God's spirit. But here's the bottom line. The word of God says the spirit of God intercedes through us with unintelligible sounds. And God searches the mind of his spirit and he hears correct prayers coming out of us through the Holy Ghost. And so at times we're in conflict, marital conflict, family conflict, financial conflict, business decisions. Guys, your natural soul and your natural mind maybe got you into the trouble. I am not preaching against the natural mind. My mind is renewed, my mind is sanctified, and I thank God I have the mind of Christ. He has increased the creativity of my mind, but I also have a spirit. And I live and hear out of the spirit as well. And so um, the Holy Ghost will pray through you. So sometimes I'm praying about, yeah, I pray over you guys all the time. And I have prayer people that join me Monday to Friday, Saturday, in fact, and we pray over the church. And at times we pray in English. And at times we pray in, the, in tongues. And I'll show you it's scriptural. But the reason why we pray in tongues 
is because I might think I know what to pray about you. And God says, step aside. Your head's in the way. I want to pray through your spirit because there are things you don't know. Hello? Everybody hearing me? Amen. And so um, this passage is a powerful passage. Guys, I'm going to tell you, this is one of the most powerful tools you have after the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. It's one of the most powerful tools to be able to pray and the Holy Ghost without interference with your brain is praying through your spirit directly. It's praying mysteries. You remember last week I prayed, I I showed you the scripture where Paul says, if I pray for my spirit or if I pray in tongues, I'm not praying to man, I'm praying mysteries to God. How many of you remember that? That was 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 2, and uh, Matt will get it up there in a second. I'm all over my notes today. Matt is excellent at just following me. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, capital S. When I'm praying in tongues, it's a mystery because my logical noggin doesn't understand everything that needs to be covered. And so I deliberately pray in the Spirit because spirit to spirit, there's never any error. What's ironic is that when we first start praying in tongues, the first thing our natural mind says, well, what if I'm making a mistake? When I pray in the Spirit, it's spirit to spirit, and there's never any bias, there's never any prejudice, there's never any preconceived misconceptions. When we pray in the spirit, we are spot on. Amen. That, that's pretty cool, don't you think? Yes. It's very powerful and very important. And listen, you all, you Americans, I've lived in Australia for 29 years. And I can tell you, Australians do not get into politics the way Americans do. And I'm not saying you shouldn't get into politics. As Christians, you should know what's going on, and you should vote, and you should put a godly vote based on biblical principles. But don't get hung up on Democrat or Republican, because neither one of them's got the answer. Jesus has got the answer. Jesus is the answer. And when we pray from our head for our government, we pray from our political bias. Don't do that. You're pl- you're, you might end up praying out of the flesh. When you're praying for the president, you're praying for the government, the best way to pray is because then my spirit will be praying 100% what God wants prayed. In this same passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15, Paul makes the comment. Look at this. So what should I do? I will pray with my, my spirit, little s, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, little s. I will also sing with my understanding. 
So I'm going to pray with my intellect and my understanding, but I'm also going to take time to pray in the Holy Ghost. And when I worship, I will sing intelligible English words. And you all could get offended, but at times I'm going to sing in the Holy Ghost. Because God's looking for worshipers who go beyond just the natural mind. He wants worship from the Spirit. How many of you enjoy the worship in the house? And you know why? We're not restraining it by the clock. The clock's not the evil. The evil is that the soul says, uh, I'm not happy it went too long. You know what I do in situations like that? I say to my soul, shut up. You get me into trouble all the time. Shut up. I'm going to live out of my spirit. Paul, I'm not getting a ton of amens. I think they're with me. I'm not 100% sure. And my soul's wanting to say, Pastor, you're in deep doo-doo right now. But you know what? I'm going to live out of my spirit, and I don't care. Amen. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. We really need to be people who learn how to live from our spirit. We get so, you know, look, some Christian backgrounds have made such a curse, such a boogeyman out of tongues. Tongues is a wonderful instrument used by the Holy Ghost so that we communicate spirit to spirit. And once your head gets out of the way and your spirit starts to grow, then the Holy Ghost can give you a word of knowledge and tell you things about your son or your daughter that they're trying to hide, that is getting them into trouble. And God can give you insight. Look, the gifts of the Spirit are not just for church. The gifts of the Spirit are for life. God wants to give you words of knowledge about business. He wants to give you words of knowledge about your marriage. He wants to give you words of knowledge about your sons and your daughters. He wants to give you words of knowledge. Uh, uh, he wants to give you the, the, the gift of wisdom to know how to handle the word of knowledge. How many of you know sometimes the message could be right, but the method is destructive? The gift of wisdom. I, I pray, God, give me discernment, the gift of discernment. Give me discernment. And when I have discernment, the gift in the Spirit, you give me discernment about a situation, then give me the gift of wisdom. Because I could take that discernment and use it destructively. I want to use that discernment constructively. So I, I joined the two gifts, and I say, help me to discern what's happening here in the Spirit realm. Help me to understand what kind of spirit is really acting up here. Now give me the gift of wisdom so I will operate out of divine wisdom, not out of my intellect. And then there's one last thing I do in that scenario. I say, now, Father, everything without love is a clanging bell. So you gave me discernment. You've given me wisdom. Now help me to translate this so that when I speak and I act, I'm speaking out of the heart of God, which is full of love. And I, I got to tell you, those three things, the fruit of love and the gift of discernment and the gift of wisdom, I, I pray for it all the time. I operate in it all the time because otherwise I'm going to screw things up. 
If you don't like the phrase, screw things up, I'm sorry, it already came out of my mouth. <laughs> let's, let's not be religious. You know what I mean. No sexual connotation whatsoever. I'm going to mess things up. Okay? We've got to learn how to live out of the Spirit. And the more we live out of the Spirit, we'll live out of our best face. And I want to live out of my best face. The Spirit of God in you and your spirit in submission to the Spirit of God is the best face you can ever put on. Absolutely. It amazes me how much if your physical body, your intellect, your emotions, and your will, the things that gratify you, it amazes me how much money, how much time, how much attention we put on soul and body. Isn't it interesting that we have to keep editing what happens in church and we got to keep shortening it and we got to make sure that people aren't dissatisfied and they like it. If I pander to people's souls, I'm not pandering to God. And I am robbing you and doing you a disservice while you're trusting the shepherd to take you down the right path. I have an obligation, and that is to speak the truth of God with love. To take the deep things of God and break it down so that they're easy to understand, but nonetheless stick to the truth. You break down the truth so it can be understood. You don't water down the truth so it can be liked. Hang on a second. That was good preaching, Pastor Rob. That just came out. Sometimes God, you know, at times stuff has to just come out because otherwise there's nothing smart coming out of this little orifice. Uh, the Spirit of God is smart. He's deep. He's wise. Is any, are you getting something out of this? Okay. I'm going to conclude with two scriptures. And I want to show you again from the Bible why praying out of your spirit as opposed to praying out of your mind, praying spirit to spirit through another language is a beneficial thing. Speaking in tongues builds your spirit. Now I said that it allows your spirit to get bigger while your soul takes a back seat. See, when God needed the disciples the most just before the entrance of salvation to the world, they were asleep. They were still living out of their soul realm. They were very different people after Pentecost. Who wants to still be different? I still want to be different, so. Absolutely. So watch this here. Um, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So again, this is where people get all screwed up. They say, ah, Paul said you're not supposed to pray in a tongue unless you get an interpretation. First of all, 
If me praying in a tongue about my daughter or my son or my personal situation is a powerful tool to intercede to God, would God want to take my dirty laundry and my children's personal stuff and air it and have it interpreted in the church? There's a difference between the prayer of tongues, tongues as the release of the Holy Spirit, and the gift of tongues, which is an utterance. A person feels a great gusto comes on them. It's almost prophetic. They feel that they have to say this, and they shoot it out like a cannon, and then someone interprets. It is a baby step to prophesying. When I first started, uh, it was like I could, I, I could bring that message in tongues, but I was so afraid to get the interpretation because I, I was convinced I'd mess it up. And as my faith grew, I would be able to bring the interpretation to the message in tongues. And then as my faith grew, I didn't have to give it in tongues first. I could just speak the mind of the Lord. God actually, he understands how we're made, and he will work with us, and he will, there are graduating steps. And so, there's a difference between praying in tongues and the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and a message in tongues, the gift of tongues. So people say, well, not everyone gets the gift of tongues. I don't, I'm not supposed to pray in tongues. You don't have to. It won't affect your salvation. You won't go to hell. We don't believe that. But I'm going to tell you, praying in tongues for your personal self is of tremendous value. Amen. Tremendous value. So here, Paul says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Anyone but the one who prophesies edifies the whole church. So if we had church on a Sunday morning and all we did was pray in tongues, we're getting edified maybe as individuals, but unsaved people and people who don't understand this stuff, are they going to get anything in the church service? No, they're not. It's like there was a move of God 15 years ago, uh, well, in Australia, it really started in Lakeland, uh, and it was maybe 20 years ago, and people got the joy of the Lord, and they'd fall out and start laughing. Well, it hit our churches in Australia, and in, in our churches, in our movements, people would go to church, and all day Sunday, from the beginning to the end, all, they would be out in the Spirit, laughing, 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 and not one intelligent thing would be said. Oh, well, we're letting the Spirit move. The Spirit is subject to the prophet. And after six months, people started leaving the church because they weren't the ones rolling on the floor laughing. And they weren't getting any teaching. And they weren't being fed. And they, the church and the church leaders started running after the manifestation. We're meant to be stewards of the Spirit of God. We let Him lead, but He also is subject to us, and we don't let disorder come. So the same way people got fed up with the fact that there was only laughter going on and never any order in the service and no teaching, nothing that they could bite on, no meat of the Word, in the same way, Paul says, you don't come to church on a Sunday and everyone just prays in tongues. That'll edify you, but you got to be thoughtful and considerate. There are other people in the church who don't understand this stuff. And you don't want to just blow them out of the waters. 
See, the gifts must always be connected with the heart, love. The fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. If you only have the gifts of the Spirit, you're going to be a pain. You're going to be a nuisance. And you'll be destructive. And if you only have the fruit of the Spirit, that's beautiful, but you'll never get to the same effectiveness as you could if you're operating in gifts of the Spirit. What's interesting is there are nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is symbolized as a dove. A dove has nine key feathers on each wing. A dove with one wing doesn't fly as high as a dove with two wings. What am I saying? Don't just run after manifestations. Don't just run after the gifts. You want the character of God's heart. Because otherwise it's like putting a shotgun in the hands of an idiot. I'm, I'm just trying to give you earthly analogies, okay? So here we go. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 4. You edify yourself. That word edify in the Greek, put it, would you put it up, Matt? Thank you. Look at what it means. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. To build up the building up of character. When I pray in tongues for my spirit, my spirit is being enlarged. My spirit is gaining strength. You want that. You need that. If we go to uh, another uh, study book called Words Help Study or Help Word Study, it says properly to build a house. The word edify in the Greek means to build a house, to edify, literally build someone up, helping them to stand, be strong, and be sturdy. When I pray in tongues, sometimes the Holy Spirit, through my spirit, starts to pray about Rob Scarallo, about issues that Rob Scarallo has that Rob Scarallo's head won't admit. And everyone said, and everyone said, and everyone who said amen, the same is true of you. I need this. You need this. We have blind spots in our lives. There are things I don't see that are there and other people see it. I want the Holy Ghost to fix it up before other people see it. You see, I said, you want to put your best face on, you want to live out of your spirit. And so I pray in tongues about Rob Scarallo because I know there are stuff, there are things I don't see. But if I pray in tongues, the Spirit starts praying about hurts and wounds that are buried deep inside my soul. And he starts building up my spirit. He starts cutting off roots of bitterness. He starts cutting off anxiety. He starts cutting off fear, inferiority. Wow. No wonder the Apostle Paul, look, Paul was not braggadocious. He was not a proud, arrogant man. And yet the apostle Paul said, I'm glad that I pray in tongues more than all of you. In context, what he's really saying is, because when you pray in tongues, God will start fixing things spirit to spirit, he, he's probably also inferring, I'm glad, whoa, I need it more than everybody else. I pray in tongues so that the spirit of God is working on me. Paul didn't say that out of a bragging, haughty, arrogant spirit. 
That would remember if it's inspired by the Holy Ghost, it can't be haughty or braggadocious. Amen? If it's in the Word of God, it's inspired by the Holy Ghost, it can't be braggadocious. So why is Paul saying, I'm glad I pray in tongues more than all of you? Because the Spirit will pray for the man. My spirit will pray for Rob Scarallo and everything in Rob Scarallo's life, but it will pray according to the mind of God, not according to the prejudiced mind of Rob Scarallo. Thank you. Hang on, I'm going to join you. Good teaching, Pastor Rob. That was good. That was good. The Word of God makes sense. God doesn't just do stupid things. God doesn't do stupid things. It makes sense. Trying to fly didn't make sense 200 years ago. But when they learned the laws of aerodynamics, flying makes sense. When we understand the rules of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit make sense. Amen. Amen. One last verse. So when you pray in tongues, you are edifying yourself. Paul's not telling you not to. He's actually thrilled he does it more than most. One last scripture, and that is Jude. There's only one chapter to Jude. It's the book right before the book of Revelation. It's verse 20. So there's no chapter. Call it chapter 1. There's no chapter 2. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, how? Praying in the Holy Spirit. I want to grow in my spirit. And I want my spirit to speak louder than my head. I want to be led by my spirit who will be in agreement with the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Next week, I'm going to preach and teach about how the Holy Spirit will bring revelation to you. And I'm going to give you scripture, okay? Everything has to be based on the Word of God. Next week, I'm going to teach you how you could step into the revelational gifts of the Holy Ghost, like a word of knowledge, like a prophetic word, like discernment, like wisdom that comes out of left field, I'm going to show you how you can step into it. But these are the stepping stones. If you've got to pray with your mind only, you will limit the freedom and the flow of your spirit. Amen. Do you have to pray in tongues? No, you don't. Are you going to heaven? Absolutely. Am I better than you if I pray in tongues? No, I'm not. I have seen Christians who are tongue-speaking Christians and their life was more out of order than people who were not tongue-speaking Christians. So tongues is not a badge of honor. It is not a status. It's a help. And when we submit to the Word of God and live according to the Word of God, the Word and the Spirit, the Word and the Spirit, when God came to earth, what did He send? The Word became flesh, and He sent His Holy Spirit, the Word and the Spirit. Without the two of them, you're out of order and you're imbalanced. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Did anyone get anything out of this this morning? All right.
Come on, let's stand. We went a lot longer today. I'm not going to apologize. We did go a lot longer. If you're a first-time visitor, I'm not going to apologize. We normally go about quarter past 12. But you know what? Yes. You know what? I think God's really wanting to lay some foundation in his church. This is beneficial to you. If this contradicts religious teaching you've had, I'm not asking you to just jump on board. Pray. Read the scriptures. Check it out. God wants to come to you with the fullness of his Holy Spirit. Is it a, you have to? No. When it becomes a, I want to, that's the time. You're ready. Ask for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to open the altar. First and most important thing is having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I know I didn't take the offering. They're trying to remind me. And yes, I'm going to meet with people who are interested in doing Bible school. By the way, um, we are looking at Bible school. It's going to be a non-degreed course and a degreed course. You can choose which level you want to go to. Same material, different expectations. But see me after. If you discounted it, don't discount it. See me afterwards. We're going to have lunch next door. We will take up the offering. Ushers, will you come quickly? And we're going to bless the Lord. I'll be honest with you. We cannot operate without your giving. I don't hold back. Have I ever held back? When it comes to worship, do I hold back? When I, if I have to use myself as a negative example, do I hold back? When I preach the Word of God, do I hold back because I don't want you to be upset with me? No, I don't hold back. And when it comes to the things of God, we should never hold back. And when it comes to your wallet, don't let it rule you. Don't hold back on God. Let God possess your money. He needs to possess every part of you. Amen. Let's start to receive the offering. I've never done this before. Stay looking at me. Pay attention. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, you need to do that. You, you can't even begin to live out of your spirit unless Christ comes inside of you. Then the Holy Spirit. But you must be born again. You must let Jesus Christ come into your life. What's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the Spirit is Spirit. Jesus said you must be born a second time. The first time you were born of the flesh. The second time you're born of the Spirit. You guys, those that I've asked to pray could start going out the front. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart or if you walked away from God, come on, friend. It's time to get back. It's time to let God have his way in your life. Uh, even as we're doing the offering, uh, just close your eyes. If I'm talking to you and you need to get right with God, you need to ask Jesus in your heart. Come on. Come on. Put your hand up right now. Just give me a wave. Say, Pastor, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. Right across this auditorium. If you've never asked Jesus in your life and you want to do that, this is the most important thing. Nothing's more important than this. This is the most important thing. All right. 
If you've never had that freedom in your spirit to pray in tongues, I want to give you that opportunity. I have trained folk who will pray with you. If you need healing, if you need someone to agree with you, I have people out the front that will pray with you. Uh, those of you who are wanting to just get a little bit of information about Bible school, I'm going to meet you next door. Guys, you have been an incredible, incredible body of Christ today. You have been so attentive. And because of your willingness, God really ministered at the altar during worship. Thank you. God bless you guys. God bless you. Amen. The extra 20 minutes we went in church, your body won't starve to death. But be dismissed in Jesus' name. If you want freedom to pray in tongues, move in the gifts, come on out the front. If you need healing, whatever you might need, come on out the front. God bless you. Have an incredible week. May the blessing of God's Spirit be with you. In Jesus' name, amen.